Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God has truly blessed us this time of the year to remind us once again of what we get to celebrate every day throughout the year. And that's the goodness of God. We've been looking at a series now, we've been going through it for this month of December. Uh, the theme of it is generosity. And what we want to conclude that series today uh, with a short message that is talking about the greatest gift that was ever given, and that is the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. Generosity is expressed to us and uh, shown to us and manifested through the greatest gift of all. And uh, as much as we can give each other great things, there's nothing greater than the gift of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. How many of you have ever received a gift that maybe you couldn't identify or maybe you couldn't use? Uh, and anybody ever gotten a gift you couldn't use or you couldn't identify? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if you regifted it. Keep your hand up. <laughs> okay. Well, how many of you have ever received a gift that made your life easier? Anybody in here? What was it? Oh, one that you sit with your feet up and it just vacuums for you. Or, oh, wonderful one. That's your best friend. <laughs> Anybody else get a gift that made your life easier? What was it? Yes. Yes. Oh, that definitely will make your life easier. A car. You said this is, yes, a car. I tell you, I remember walking and then I got a bicycle as a gift. Boy, that was a great gift. But then when I got the car... I forgot where the bicycle was. <laughs> wow. How about a slow cooker? Anybody appreciate your slow cooker? The thing will just take care of the food for you, right? And uh, just made your life so much easier. Well, let me tell you what. We received the greatest gift of all, and that's the son of the living God. And he came to this earth. And let me tell you what. He made things better. Everywhere Jesus goes, and if you invite Jesus into your home and into your life, I'm telling you what, he'll make everything better. Because you just study history, and you see even the prophets were prophesying what he was going to do. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus ever came, and he said, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The prophet was saying that God is going to give the greatest gift the earth has ever received. And when the earth receives him, the son of God Everything is going to be made better. Hallelujah. Everyone that will receive him, let me tell you what, the gift of heaven will become manifested on earth. Did you know that even our calendar had to change and recognize that Jesus Christ came into this earth? Every time, I love this, every time uh, we uh, see uh, even an atheist sign a check and they write December 24, 2007 or whatever the date is, they are declaring that Jesus 
Jesus came and changed this world for the better. Because the B.C. and the A.D. is before Christ and Anna Dominium or at the, the year of the Lord. It's the, uh, history is divided even by the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The world is different because Jesus was born and given to us the greatest gift. Let me tell you what, we need to celebrate His goodness, amen? We need to celebrate His presence. We need to celebrate our Savior, hallelujah. Everyone who has received Jesus, your life has been made better. And this earth, when it received Jesus, He came in and left a mark in history and changed the world for the better. Let me just give you several things that the Lord did while He was here and made things better. For one, and you ladies can celebrate on this one for sure, the role of women was lifted when Jesus came into this world. By Him choosing a virgin to come through, a woman to be born, the Son of God, gift of heaven came to us through a woman. See, in the, uh, that day and age, pre-Jesus culture, women were property of their father until she became the property of her husband. Let me tell you what, Jesus wasn't happy with that. That was not the plan of God for a woman. That was the working of the enemy. That was sin at its height, trying to devalue women and dehumanize women and make them just property. But let me tell you what, Jesus came into this world and he said, Aristotle, you got a, you gave a definition of women some, to somewhere. He was asked to define women. And he said, a woman is somewhere between a man and a slave. That's, that's where they fit. Well, let me tell you what. That's not what the Lord said. Even though in India until the 19th century, the common practice was if a man died before his wife died and no one wanted to take on the burden of taking care of that property, she would be uh, cremated with her husband whether she wanted to or not. Man, think of that. And in China, which is largely non-Christian, it still partic- uh, practices this today to kill the female children. It was just October the 29th, 2015, just two years ago, that they changed their policy to allow two children. So now if the first child is female, they can keep her. And if the second one's female, well, then they may dispose of that one because they're looking for a boy. But I love the heart of God. He said, this is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And when Jesus came on the scene, there was a dramatic change in the role of women. I'm telling you, he, God even gave us his son through a woman. And then when Jesus was an adult here on earth, what happened? They bring a woman called in adultery like she was doing that all by herself. Come on now. Where was the man? But Jesus said, enough of this. And he says, wait a minute, put your hold onto your stone. And he writes something in the sand. And then he says, before you stone her now, look, for each of you or who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And they shut their mouth and they turned and they walked away. I love it that the gift of heaven on earth began to elevate the role of women once again. And I'm telling you, husbands, you need to treat your wives right. They are a gift from God to you. They are a precious treasure. Let me tell you what, you not, need not speak down on your wife. And men, you need not speak down on women. I'm telling you, if you do, you're coming against the plan of God. You're 
you're coming against the heart of Jesus. Jesus came and turned that thing around. And he says women are to be celebrated just as much as men because let me tell you what, they are the precious gift of God. And God not only lifted the role of women, he came in the greatest gift of all and lifted the value of children because the age and the day he came into, let me tell you what, infanticide was a, a very, very common. If a parent didn't want a child, they just killed it. If they, would, if they had a child that was handicapped or seemed to have some disability, they would leave it out in the uh, woods for the animals to eat it. In Sparta, they had this place they would go and they would throw their unwanted children off of a cliff. And they've even excavated uh, bones there today of little children that had been killed in that way. The Romans considered children property until they were eight years old. So a, a, a father could do anything with that property, that child, until it was eight years old that he wanted to. Sell it, kill it, it really didn't matter. And during Jesus' day, did you know, half of the children did not live to be nine years old. Every out of one out of every two children that were born, one of them wouldn't make it to its ninth birthday. That's the culture he was born into. And he didn't just say, I'm going to come into this culture and put up with it. No, the heaven, the gift of heaven came and changed this earth and made it better. And then we see right there in Mark 10 and 16, where Jesus took the children. They're rebuking the children. They're trying to get the children out of the way. And Jesus said, no, 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 suffer not that the children come unto me. And he took the children and in to his arms and he took time with them and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Let me tell you what, we received the greatest gift from heaven and when Jesus came, I'm here to tell you, he said, I'm going to bring the goodness of the Father in heaven to the make uh, change the hearts of the men here on earth. And after Jesus was born and did what he did, then the orphanages started being built and established uh, by Christians all around the world and schools were being built up and there were people adopting handicapped children because the hearts of men were changed by the coming of Jesus Christ. I say the greatest gift of all was given to us and He has made our world a better place. Did you know that the fight against slavery came because of Jesus Christ? Slavery was profoundly affected when Jesus came to this earth. Now, sadly, some who claimed to be Christians had uh, slaves. But let me tell you what. It was the majority Christians who turned uh, against slavery and led rebellions and led uh, revolutions against the practice of slavery. It was Wilbur Wilberforce. He was this great evangelist in England. And he drove and drove and drove to establish a laws banning international slave trade. Did you know two-thirds of the members of the abolition uh, society were Christian ministers, ministers of the gospel, two-thirds of them in the abolition society. They said, we can't allow this anymore. Jesus came and put value on human life, and no one should own anyone else. In John 17, 21, Jesus said as he prayed that, that we would be one. Jesus is praying to the Father. He said, oh, Father, make them one as you, Father, and I are one, that they may be made one one in us that 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 and so that the world can believe that you sent me he said the world will see the goodness of the, of, of a heaven on earth when they see us come together red and yellow black and white as brothers and sisters as one under the blood of Jesus Christ that there is no one better than anybody else and there is no one lifted up above anybody else Jesus says I've come for all of mankind and I've come that we be equal thank God for that
Praise God that I know there's still slavery going on in the world today. But we as a Christian voice and we as a Christian hand, we need to get involved with every sex trafficking in every place where there are people that are still being bond in bondage and in, uh, bound up. And we need to help them be set free in the name of Jesus Christ. That is not the plan of God. Because when God sent His greatest gift, Jesus, Jesus came into this earth to make it a better place. I'm telling you, when He came on the scene, the needs of the poor became uh, something that was spotlighted. Hearts of people were changed to start reaching out and to begin to minister to the poor. I dare you to try and count all of the inner city missions and the church food pantries and the Christian clothing closets and the benevolent funds for the needy. There's no way you can count them all because they're always growing and always starting up. There's the big one, Salvation Army. There's, there's Samaritan Ministries. There's Feed the children, there's Compassion International, there's people-to-people ministries, there's Operation Blessing, there's Union Mission, there's food banks and and uh, clothing closets and pen ministry, let me tell you what, but that's some of the bigger names, but there's also within every church and within every community and within every heart, the desire to help those that need it, to reach out to someone who is, is struggling and to help them because there was somebody one day that reached into our struggle and helped us in the name of the Lord. Jesus says, inasmuch as you do this unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. I'm telling you, if you reach out and help someone today, you, as you do it unto them, Jesus said, I'm keeping the records that you did it unto me. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put down the favor of heaven for, your, for you eternally because I'm accepting it as you did it unto me. Gallup, uh, George Gallup did a study and discovered that over $20 billion is given away to the poor and the needy each year here in the, in, G, in the name of Jesus. There's a lot more, but in the name of Jesus, over $20 billion in America is given to the needy. And every year and over six billion dollars worth of, of of volunteer labor is given every year. I'm telling you, there's a heart, there's a hand of heaven touching the hearts of men to cause that. Because I know in our sinful nature, we are greedy. We are selfish. We are self-centered. It is a dog eat dog world. But let me tell you what, when the greatest gift of heaven touched earth and we received the gift of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit, he changes us. He transforms transforms us. He gives us a heart of compassion. He gives us a heart that cares for those that are less fortunate. And I'm telling you, don't you ever be ashamed of helping those who need a helping hand. When Jesus, the greatest gift of heaven, came, He made a difference in this world. He changed the level of a heart's turn towards those who are sick. Before Jesus came, you had to be wealthy if you got any medical help. You had to be very wealthy. You're the only few that would be able to get any medical help. But I'm telling you, in 325 A.D., the Nicene Council was come together and they're trying to establish these doctrines and, 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 and of the Christian faith to live by. Doctrines like the Trinity and doctrines like the, the authority of Scripture and the canon of Scripture. Uh, but also in this council, moved by the Spirit of God, they made a decree that for every church,
church that we build, we need to also build a hospital. We need to have a medical place that people can come to, no matter what, where, when, or how. But there's an open door of mercy. There's an open door of assistance. There's an open door of help. And not only after that did churches start to spread across the world, but hospitals started to be built around the world from Florence Nightingale to Louise Pasteur. Let me tell you what, Christianity has profoundly affected the medical advances and the care for the sick. You can just go on and on. When Jesus came, you see a turn took place in the sciences. I'm telling you, some modern scientists would have you believe that faith and science have nothing to do with each other. But when somebody talks like that, you ought to just start laughing at the silly stupidity of what that is. It is God who created everything. It is God who set everything into order. And any science we have is just studying the one plus one equals two because God is a God of order. There is no conflict between God and, 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 and real pure science. Let me tell you why. Real pure science is only discovering and, and seeing through uh, research and tests and trials that what God has said and what God has done. There is a, a genius behind all of creation and He is to be praised. Hallelujah. Isaac Newton, you know who discovered gravity, said, when I look at the solar system, I see the earth at the right distance from the sun to receive proper amounts of heat and light. This did not happen by chance. This most beautiful system of the sun in planets and comets could only proceed from the counsel and the dominion of an intelligent and a powerful being. And we know who that is. That is God Almighty. Hallelujah. The history of science proves this. The, the fathers of most of the scientists, scientific disciplines, they were Christians. I know some of you history books don't tell you that, but do your own research. The father of anesthetic surgery, Joseph Lister, was a committed Christian. The father of bacteriology, Louis Pasteur, was a committed Christian. The father of calculus, Isaac Newton, was a committed Christian. The father of chemistry, Robert Boyle, was a committed Christian. The father of computer science, Charles Babbage, a committed Christian. The the father of electronics, John Fleming, a committed Christian. On and on and on the list goes. It was God given revelation and illumination and understanding for us to figure out what He had put in order. Hallelujah. The greatest gift of heaven is given to this earth. Jesus Christ, the Son of the Son of God. And let me tell you what, He came and He made everything better to those who would receive his ministry, receive his teaching, and receive his uh, touch. Even education was ch- transformed because of him. Jesus said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that they have com- commended or commanded you. And behold, he says, I am with you until the end of the age. The pre-Jesus world was large, largely an illiterate world. Most of it was uh, oral tradition passed down from, uh, from generation to generation. But let me tell you what. 
Most of the languages that we know today, they were not written down they, uh, uh, until the, those that missionaries went in and they wanted to, to help them codify and, and capture and compile and write a dictionary so these missionaries could help translate the Bible into a readable language that these people groups could study the Word of God. There was so much commitment to the Word of God and the written Word of God in every language. Let me tell you what, putting it in the hands of the people. It was 1445, the Gutenberg printing press, uh, the first movable type printing press that was possible, made possible mass production of the Word of God. Let me tell you what, it was developed so that every man could have a Bible and read it for himself. Praise God. When you study the history of education and the history of languages and the history of the written text, let me tell you what, it was so that we could read the Word of God, that we could read about this greatest gift of heaven that was given to us in and through Jesus Christ. Education was profoundly affected by Christians who were motivated by their love for Jesus Christ. I, I need you to hold on to your seats because you probably are going to not believe this. So hold on to your seat. This is not a Bush Gardens ride, but you will survive. Did you know, did you know that public school system in America was founded by Christians for Christian purposes here in this country? Did you know that? In 1647, the Puritan law, look, it's called the Old Satan Deluder Act. It said this, one of the primary attempts of Satan is to keep men from reading the scriptures. Do you think he's still at work doing that today? (laughs) Has he been trying to keep you from reading the scriptures? They realize this. So here they said, in this act, they said it is ordered by the court that every township within its jurisdiction shall appoint one within their town to teach all children to read and write whose wages shall be paid by the township. It's a public school concept that was built upon right there. And the reason being is they said Satan is trying to keep you from reading the Word of God. So we're going to set up a public system to make sure every township... Paid by, paid by the people, there will be a teacher to teach our children to read so that Satan doesn't win and we can read the Word of God. Now, it blows my mind to realize that, that the public school that was started with the main purpose to teach citizens to read so that they could read the Word of God, now the Word of God is the very thing that is, be, is not allowed there. Let me tell you what, you need to find out what the devil's against and you need to be for it. It's just that simple. You, you want to figure him out? You, there's more people can recognize what the devil's doing rather than what the, uh, the Lord's doing. Well, if you're stuck on the negative, all you got to do is look at what he's doing and be against it. If he's for it, you'll be against it. And let me tell you what, you'll be in good shoes. They try to use Thomas Jefferson's personal letter that he wrote to a friend to say there should be a separation of church and state when Jefferson actually was saying that the state should never come in and and muffle the church from preaching the word of God. That that state should not use a pulpit to try and build its politics. That the church should not be muffled and silenced from preaching the word of God. That's what it was all about if you read it in its context. 
for Jefferson himself. He was president, but before he was president, he was secretary of education. And before he was secretary of education, he was superintendent of the public school system in Washington, D.C. And while superintendent of the public schools in Washington, D.C., he sent out a proclamation to all of the schools under his district there. And he says, there are two books that must be in every classroom, a Watson's reader and a Bible. Now that's history. That's history, church. Hallelujah. It sounds like me that Jefferson wanted us to know the Word of God. Now the first 123 colleges and universities that were started in America, believe it or not, were started by Christians for Christian purposes. You study the history of Harvard, the history of Yale, the history of Brown, the history of Northwest University, all started by Christians as biblical training centers. I'm here to tell you this morning the fact that women... The fact that children, the fact that slavery, the sick, the poor, science and education has been turned around because of the greatest gift of heaven that was given to us, the only begotten Son of God. Let me tell you what, we need to get on board and open up the fullness of who Christ is in our life and let our hands and our feet be about advancing His purpose and His will and His goodness to everybody and everywhere we have influence over. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you this morning, you and I have a responsibility. And the responsibility is this, to open the gift that was given to us, the greatest gift that has been given to man, and that is the Son of the living God. We need to open Him up. We need to receive Him. Actually, we need to open our hearts up and receive Him. And as we receive the greatest gift of all time, let me tell you what, where Jesus came in and made change things for good for women, he took that which was done wrong with children and made it right. He came and did that which was wrong with slavery and made it right. He came and did that which was wrong in every area and turned it right. He said, they're sick, let's bring healing to them. Let's bring nurture to them. Let's bring care to them. If there's hungry, let's feed them. If there's somebody in need, let's meet the need. Let me tell you what, everywhere he came, he took that which was wrong and turned it and made it right. And if you'll open your heart to Him and receive the greatest gift that has ever been given from heaven to earth, He'll come in and help you turn what is wrong in your life and help it make it right as well. You can receive Him today as your friend. Did you know that? He's not against you. He's the greatest gift of heaven. He came for you. There are friends, the Bible says, who even pretend to be friends. But there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I've come to call you friends. God may seem to be a distance to you today. But remember, he said his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come in and through his son, Jesus Christ, to live in your heart, to live in your life, to flow through you by his spirit, that you become his hands and his feet. And he wants to do it through a friendship, through a relationship like none other. But he does not force himself on anyone. He's a gift that needs to be opened and received. Will you receive the greatest gift that's been given? I gave you six or seven things that in society has been made better and turned on the right path. Oh, there's a lot of work to be done, but that's our responsibility. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, but the same Spirit that is in me is the same Spirit I'm going to send to you, and I'll fill you with power, and I'll fill you with fire, and I'll fill you with anointing and gifts and talents I'll give to you so that you can be my body, the body of Christ. You can be called Christians. Oh, today, 
Will you receive Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about a head knowledge. Oh, I know the Bible and I know Jesus. And if I confess, so I confess, he's my Lord. Let me tell you what, this thing has to go from the head to the heart. It has to go from the head to the heart. You got you to step out by faith and say, Jesus, I so believe that you are the gift of heaven and I receive you to be my Lord. I receive you to be my Savior. I receive you to be my friend. And I want to be your hands. And I want to be your feet. And I want to give. And I want to help. And I want to heal. And I want you to use me to educate. I want you to use me to inspire. I want you to use me to help turn the roles of situations around. Let me tell you why. Maybe you're in a marriage today. And in the marriage... There needs to be some work. Before you step outside the marriage and want to go fix and let God use you to fix the world, I want you to start right where you're at in that marriage. And I want you to look at your spouse, if it's your husband or your wife, I want you to look at them as a gift from God. You say, oh, well, I know the circumstances by which we came together. I need you to, you, you need to look beyond that because there's a hand at work beyond all of that. Even in some of your stumblings and fallings, you, you fell into the, the very place that God can take you and do great things for you. He didn't push you in there, but let me tell you what, he can take you from where you're at. If he can come to a corrupt world and turn it with goodwill, if he can turn it with grace and peace, let me tell you what, through your life, he can turn things around as well. So I say the greatest gift you give in your home is to give your children a godly uh, relationship with you and God manifested through you with your spouse your children need to see that i'm telling you others need to witness that you need to prioritize your marriage over any other relationship some people say well the kids come first let me tell you what you need to you need to prioritize that spouse the kids are going to leave you the kids are going to leave you unless there's a problem you know unless there's a a a, a unique situation most of us are going to see our kids move on okay And that's not a bad thing. Don't look at me like, oh, wow, is there a disease that we don't know about? No, that's a good thing, right? But they'll come back, (laughs) even if it's Christmas to eat, okay? They're coming back. But your spouse, the two of you are... No one listening. The two of you are one. And Satan's trying to break it apart. Let your heart be turned towards your spouse. And say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on you. That goodness, that mercy, that forgiveness, that kindness, that joy, that, that peace. I'm going to flow through me. And I'm going to be an instrument of righteousness in my marriage. Then with your children. And then with your family, your extended family, your church family. And Jesus says, as that takes place, then the world will see, wow. Look at the oneness. Look at the blessing. And they will want to serve our God as well. The greatest evangelistic opportunity we'll ever give the world is when we allow the kindness and the goodness and the favor of God to flow through us, bringing reconciliation. He says we've been reconciled to God through Christ and now has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So I encourage you, this time of the year, let me tell you what, when the enemy loves to blow it up, with families and blow it up because of the extra stresses and things. I would say, if that's what the devil's doing, I'm going to do the opposite. The enemy's trying to separate. I'm going to unite. 
The enemy's trying to stress out, I'm going to pull back and, and get into God's peace. This is supposed to be a peaceful time of the year, not a stressful time of the year, right? The greatest gift that has been given to us is Jesus Christ. And he's made available to you. You can receive him as your friend. You can receive him as your savior. And you can receive him as your Lord. But you have to receive him. So I close in asking you on this Christmas Eve, is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the greatest gift that has ever been given to this earth, to mankind, and to everyone who's ever received him, he has made everything better have you received him as Lord and Savior? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we bow our heads before you as we also humble our hearts. And Lord God, we hear the question that is being asked. Is your son, your only begotten son, the greatest gift of heaven that has come to earth? Have we received him not only in our heads, but in our hearts? The Holy Spirit would ask you this day, is Jesus, the Son of God, seated as Lord and Savior on the throne of your heart to where you surrender to bow, to worship, to serve, to celebrate, to honor Him? By faith, you can accept Him into your heart right now by praying a prayer of faith, Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, gift of heaven, I receive you now. I receive you, Jesus, into my heart. Come in, bring the turnaround into my life. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Wash me, God, of my sin. Purge me, God, I pray with your hyssop. Lord, I receive your eternal work in me now as I surrender to your Lordship. Would you tell him that, Jesus? Jesus, I surrender all. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Jesus, I surrender to you. As you came into a corrupt world and brought a, a light of hope and brought a, a fresh a, a air that would uh, save those who were suffocating in sin, Lord, come into my marriage. Come into my home. Come into my relationships. Come into my work. Come into my physical body. By faith, I receive you now. And I confess your lordship over my life because I believe God has raised you from the dead. I receive you as my friend, my Savior, and my Lord. Hallelujah. So Jesus, this is going to be the best Christmas of my life because I'm going to leave here transformed by your renewing grace. As I give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah.